0: Only at Sleep Number stores or SleepNumber.com.
1: Well, that has to be it now, doesn't it? For years at Survivor Series, we have done Raw vs. SmackDown. Obviously, Vincent Mann went away and Triple H has taken over. And he has decreed that when we get to the November pay-per-view, it should be war games. And given what we saw last night... I just give it a round of applause. This was the correct decision. Also, hello, my name is Simon Watt culture? Thank you very much for joining me as always. And that's right. We just had a pay-per-view premium live event, which means I appear in your lives and I take the finger of power and I give the good bits an up and the bad bits are down. And if you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, that doesn't even make sense, you are totally right. But we're doing it anyway. And do I like the fact that commentary in WWE is now more free than it ever has been? Because our first match was the Women's War Games match, and Michael Cole basically said, Oh, you see, these two people, they haven't liked each other since 1637. And if you go to the 1842 war between those two families, oh my gosh, the beef. It just added so much to it. It also meant that it was Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, Mia Yim, Alexa Bliss, and Oscar taking on damage control Rhea Ripley and Nikki Cross. And given that they were tasked of going out there and having the first proper War Games match on the main roster, Well, I think they did a flubbing great job. I mean, it was basically like all the War Games matches you've ever seen, but you could say that about any stipulation. And we started off with Bianca Belair and Dakota Kai with the story being, well, Bianca, she may be the Raw Women's Champion, but she's still a fighter. Of course, when the first five minutes was up, she was large and in charge, but this is when Io Sky got in the thing, meaning the tag team champions were now able to beat Bianca up. This is why you want the advantage in War Games. Helped. Bianca was able to hit them with a double suplex but that didn't last long because eventually the wrestling mass caught up with her because two taking on one is never going to add up to success but it was alright because another five minutes then went down and in came Oscar. Now you have to assume that when we get to Wrestlemania we are going to do Oscar versus Io Sky because once again we tease that and eventually Bianca Belair and the Empress of Tomorrow just grabbed these two started throwing them into the cage. And poor Dakota Kai, she took so many shots during this match, I hope somebody gave her a hug after. It was still classic wrestling tennis though, I mean you remember when Roger Federer was in a War Games match and he did really well. Because just as they were finding their footing, it was time for Nikki Cross to get involved. I was in tears too because she brought keto sticks and trash can lids into the ring and I was like where did these come from? Did the Starship Enterprise just beam them down? And also, why does she need it? There's no need. Also, if you are doing that, why do not you get a phaser? Because if you got a phaser, you can go pew 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 and just vaporize people. And she absolutely crushed Oscar's head into the cage door. Who knows what that did to her brain. So then, thankfully, it was time for Alexa Bliss. This has triggered carnage, though, because all the weapons were being used. And I can only assume LaCrosse got pissed off about all of this because she climbed to the top of the cage and she came down with a giant splash. Now, in 2022 wrestling, people do this stuff and we don't shout about it enough. But that is so damn scary. I mean, that is terrifying to the point there is the scare And I can give it a spin. Where did it stop? Very, very scary. Bailey then decided she was the Dark Knight because she was all about escalation. Because when she was allowed to go, she found a bunch of tables and some ladders. The Hills used them instantly. And surprise, surprise, that did work. <laughs> it got even more nuts. Why? Because Mia Yim was in, and she had even more toys. So once again, it was Batman. And then the poor Kai got dropped on a trash can too, and I was like, will someone please take care of her? This is absolutely redonkulous. And then we had this beautiful spot where everybody gave everybody else a superplex, and it was so damn smooth, and it was so damn crisp. I don't know why I keep naming foods here. We should enter this as an Olympic sport. I mean, I would have judged it, given it a 10. The best part was yet to come as Rhea Ripley was the next entrant in there. Yes, just yes. Because she wrecked everyone who even looked like they were breathing incorrectly. And of course, once again, this gave the heels the advantage. At one point, we were just booting Oscar right in the head too. It was like torture. I don't even know why I'm laughing. And it all led to Becky Lynch being the last person in there. Cause of course that's what you'd want to do. She was our returning hero. She had a miss a step because she took out Cross, she took out E.O. Sky, and she went face to face with Bailey. And while there was like a smattering of cheers, I think WWE is probably gonna have to double down on that feud to get what they want. Especially because when Bex got rid of her and went face to face with Rhea Ripley again, all of a sudden the fans got excited. This is when it all went off because war games, and I'm probably gonna get some of this wrong, because it's just like bam-bam-bam-bam-bam-bang, bang, 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 and it's hard to keep up. But Rhea hit the riptide onto Becky Lynch and then Oscar was back and she went and she spat missed in somebody's face. That allowed Becky to come back with a DDT when Bailey was here, and she rose planted Lynch on that like middle bit between the two rings. That didn't look very fun. Bianca Belair was then gonna try and get tower of doom spot in there, but Nikki cross-cut that off with a kendo stick. When Eo Sky surveyed the situation and was like, no, 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 like that two unlimited song from the 90s, she went to the top cage. She did a moonsault. A moonsault, people. Back to the scareometer. We flipping, give it a spin. Look at that. The ultimate scary. Cross and Bliss then somehow handcuffed each other, but they were still doing moves. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. When Rhea Ripley was back, just being raw, and she beat up everyone. Randoms were then being broken, and finishing moves were being busted out, including Bianca Belair grabbing Bailey and KODing her into the side of the cage. And that made me feel oogly boogly because it can't be nice when we got to our finish. And you ain't gonna believe this. Because Eo Sky and poor Dakota Kai were placed on a table, and because of that, Becky Lynch, who has only just come back from shoulder surgery or shoulder problems, went to the top of the cage and was like, she's not going to do anything. Someone's going to cut her off. Give it a minute. Give it a second. Wait a minute. Nobody's cutting her off. And she jumped and she hit a leg drop onto the table <laughs> through these two people. And she absolutely killed them. I shouted out, excuse me, what are we doing? And look what it did to the scarometer. It's absolutely broken, excuse me, scareometer. And of course that got the one, two, three. I mean, how else were you going to top this, even if you tried? So Becky Lynch got the win. All the good guys stood tall. And the only thing that surprised me here is that we didn't do any teasing with Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt. But there was nothing wrong with that, because this was far more focused. And sometimes being focused is good. It absolutely gets it up. You should go time to time to watch it. During this too, I saw it and you're all wonderful human beings. In the crowd, there was a sign that said, Simon, give this an up. So you, of course, you do get an up and you're all lovely. And you make me feel and Fuzzy in my tum tum. No idea how we did get here, but it's an absolute pleasure. Let's keep this train of fun going. Also, yes, up. We got Brock Lesnar video package after this, which must mean something. And then we went to the backstage area. With the bloodline. Because Jay Uso was just being a massive snitch and saying to Roman Reigns, Oh, Sami Zayn lied to me. He was talking to Kevin Owens, and I think we need to do something here. I mean the only reason I didn't kill him is because you didn't give the order. I was like, yeah, right, Jay, whatever. Reigns did have an interesting solution to this, because he was like, look, Jay, you need to focus on going to the ring later and kicking some ass, but please do bring Sami Zayn to me. Because I'm going to look into his eyes and then I'll know. And I was like, what are you, Superman? It not make any sense. Still, this was such a good segment because you just want to see how it's all going to play out. And holy crap, did it play out well. They all deserve some kind of medal. Whoever followed the first match was also going to be in a little bit of bother because of course the fans were going to be super into that. However, we rolled out AJ Styles and Finn Balor. They just did exactly what they needed to do. They got a good 20 minutes, which is absolutely what they deserved. And once again, the internet must be melting down. (laughs) Because on commentary, Michael Cole was just going, Oh yeah, New Japan, pro wrestling. Oh yeah, Bullet Club. Later on, in the Men's War Games match, he even talked about WCW. And I had to look out the window to make sure I wasn't in an alternate reality, but no, still stupid Earth. The big spin is that we're always going to have to do something with Judgment Day and the OC, because if we didn't, it wouldn't have made any sense. But actually, we handled it quite nicely, because early on, Damien Priest and Dominic Mysterio were being massive goobers. So Gallows and Anderson just chased them away through the crowd, which means we could focus on Styles versus Balor. It meant it was time to trade off and they just went, you do a move, I'll do a move, I'll kick you in the head, but you kick me in the head. When Finn Balor was like, haha, I've got a plan, I'm sick and tired of doing my manoeuvres, so I'm going to do one of yours, and he went to hit the Styles Clash. That didn't work, because AJ Styles hit him with the Pelé kick, but honestly, they are just such good professional wrestlers, kind of makes me mad never going to be this good. Balor also was able to get a boot in there and this is when he started to work over Aegis Styles' midsection and decided to break his neck and now you're being like wait a minute what that sounds absolutely disgusting well he did hit a neck breaker so what else was he trying to do and at this stage Balor just decided oh well I've won why don't I hit the Coupe de Gras?" but he missed and I tell you we may have to start a Coupe de Gras counter Finn rarely hits it anymore. It was so damn good, though, because when Styles did evade this, he went right into the calf crusher. And Finn Balor sold this so well. And the only way he got out of it was by grabbing AJ's head and just smashing it into the mat over and over again. I don't know why I like that spot, but I do. This then went off because Balor was being Balor and AJ was being AJ. I think they were just dancing at one point. They were so in tune with each other. And I won't lie, I kind of just sat there and I watched it. I like to make notes and I like to write down the moves. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy the ride. Look at me. I absolutely did. Because it basically became a sporting contest by the end of this, like the World Cup's on right now, soccer or football, where sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, it's the 89th minute. Who is going to get a goal? And in this case, it was just AJ Styles. Because he was able to hit the follow-on forearm and he beat Finn Balor for the 1-2-3. And that kind of sounds anticlimactic, but it wasn't because it was the complete antithesis to the other crazy stipulation matches on the card. And I totally loved it. If you want to do it again at WrestleMania, you absolutely can. Give it a nap. Quick Live Morgan and Ozzy Osbourne video after this, because he was providing the official theme song, so while not? When we were told that no, Raquel Rodriguez will not be here this evening, because she's got a broken arm meant it was time for Shotzi versus Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's title. Now, look, I just need to get this off my chest. I like Ronda Rousey and I like Shotzi. I think they're very good professional wrestlers. You can't fluke your way into this spot. You have to have something. But on some nights, things just don't click. And I have to say, I've got to be honest, I think that was just one of these nights. Of course, Shayna Baszler was going to be helping out Ronda and Shotzi tried to get back into this by taking them both out. But they just tried to keep doing things and they didn't land exactly how they wanted. Like at one point they were gonna do that tornado DDT onto the ring apron. And Rhonda kind of just crumpled down onto the floor. Now she didn't mean to do this. I've seen some horrible things on the internet. You gotta hold your hands up, I can't even talk. Gotta hold your hands up and call a spade a spade. However, they did go into the ring apron. Hang on. Hello and welcome to Repedy. My name is Maimon Silla. And our first answer is this, the hardest part of the ring. Weird-looking hair guy. What is the ring apron? That's right! The fans soon started chanting for Sasha Banks, which you never want because Sasha wasn't involved here. But of course, I do hope she comes back soon. And then we did this bit where Shotzi jumped off Barry Barricade onto Ronda and Shayna and a bunch of fans. But once again, that didn't really work as intended because the commentators were all like, oh my gosh, they hit some fans. I'm like, it's so obvious. These are not fans. <laughs> and they're paid-off wrestlers. I don't know, man, it just... Well, oh, I don't even know. It ended so fast, too, because Ronda just locked in the armbar and Shotzi tapped out. And the whole time we tried to sell it as, oh, my gosh, Shotzi, she's such a warrior. She has so much heart. And all of that is true. But to me, all of this has been a Liv Morgan situation. I don't think it helped Shotzi at all. You've got to give it a down.
0: Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com.
1: Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big-game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast.
2: Slash Wrestling. I then
1: got excited. Why? Because there was a video package for Cody Rhodes. Now, who knows what his rehab situation is, but he must be able to come back within the next few months. What I would do is I would hold off to the Raw Rumble, and I'd have him with the fit. He is just ready to be a super duper breakout star. I mean, he already was. But he's going to be bigger still. I'm very pumped for it. We then carried on anything with earlier because Roman Reigns had summoned Sami Zayn into his locker room, and it was basically like, right, Sam. You tell me what has gone on recently and because Zayn is a honorary oos, He told him, yes, I talked to Kevin Owens. This is what Kevin Owens said, but really I wouldn't call it a conversation. I just stood there while he ranted and raved, kind of true. I was laughing because Roman phrased this like, did you talk to Kevin Owens? As if that was Sammy Zayn's ex-partner and Roman was jealous. But Sammy did explain it all like he was Clarissa with Reigns responding, look, I understand he used to be your friend, but you're in the bloodline now. And that's family, and obviously, as the name suggests, that's blood. I was like, tears in my eyes. This was so good. Sammy then got all emotional about this, because he is so happy to be involved, Where Froman looked at him like he was going to rip his head off, before going, ha ha ha, let's go to the ring, and let's do it. And then he hugged Zane, and even though he was smiling at first, his face then turned to thunder. I was like, Sammy, I think you better run away. So you do just have to give this stuff an up. Because I was excited about the War Games' main event anyway. But this just turned it into Mega Fun 9000. So yeah, give it up. And then my prediction was right. I actually jumped for joy. Because I never get these things right. But it was Seth Rollins taking on Bobby Lashley. Taking on Austin Theory for the US title. And flub me, Austin Theory won. Kinda. Now I assume what I was going to be saying was, Oh, well this was the next step in making Austin Theory's new character all edgy. Not Adam Copeland. But actually... He didn't do that at all, His Theory won by a fluke. Of course, Bobby was all over everyone, because his new character is just Beast Man. I'm going to kill you. But when he was about to pin Seth Rollins, do you know what Austin Theory did? He pulled the referee out the ring. And why did he do that? Because, of course, that's what Bobby Lashley did to Austin Theory, when Austin was going to cash in his Money in the Bank briefcase. There it is. The sprinkling of seeds is the little things. Leslie was livid at that, so went to Merc Theory, but it didn't work out at all because Austin got with the still steps and just went blop and hit him with them. And given that Rollins was dead, Theory was like, well, I will go beat him up instead. And he did do it for a little while, but you know the deal. Seth was then doing kicks. He was doing punches. And he just did as many dives as he possibly could. 2022 wrestling. Rollins was then going for the stomp, but it became tit for tat because Bobby Lashley then stopped that. And because Rollins was a bit confused, all of a sudden from nowhere, he was on the hurt lock. But of course, Austin Theory saw this and was like, no. So he jumped in after Bobby Lashley's back and he put him in a sleeper. So even while it looked like Seth was going to tap out, eventually Bob was like, well, I can't breathe. So he had to let go. This is how you do a triple threat match. Eventually, Lashley did throw Theory out of the ring, but then he turned around and he got pedigree, which was one-two kick out. And it was then all over the place because Austin got rid of Rollins and he was going to go for the A-Town down, but Bobby Lashley decided he didn't want to be hit by that move. Then all of a sudden, Austin Theory was in the hurt lock. This was absolutely crazy. Austin has been watching his tapes though, because he used the Bret Hart, well, I'm going to drag you over to the turnbuckle and I'm going to push you off into the pin. the only reason that didn't work is because at this juncture, Seth Rollins glided off the top rope and he hit a frog splash. you got to do it. Round of applause. Somehow Bobby then put them both in the hurt lock. So I was laughing again because this guy. But of course, that is basically a move that is going to wear you out. So when they were all done, they all flopped down on their sides. And Seth Rollins saw this and decided he was Super Mario because he ran and he jumped off Bobby Lashley's back and he gave Austin Theory the curb stop. No, he didn't. It was the other way around. He jumped off Austin Theory's back and he gave Bobby Lashley the curb stop. Look at me. I can't even get the facts right. I watched this four times. It's not an easy thing to pull off. Theory did indeed break that up and then we got to the finish and this was all nuts as well because Rollins went for his, I'm gonna give you a superplex and then I'm gonna give you a falcon arrow. But when Theory was up for that last bit, Bobby Lashley ran in, he hit the spear, and because everyone was knackered, Austin Theory basically fell onto Seth Rollins, but he was totally knocked out. So we did the finish from Austin versus Triple H, to Cold Steve Austin, back at the three stages of hell. Because that was a pilling predicament, so I went, all right, one, two, three. Austin Theory is the new chap. And look, sure, that was a little bit goofy, but who cares about that? It's professional wrestling. I don't want boring finishes all the time. I want you to think outside of the box. And while it's hilarious that this is a rule in wrestling, like, there was no force by Austin Theory. He was quite literally knocked out, but he just happened to be in a printing position. Who cares? Like, who cares? I think Austin Theory being the champion is the right thing to do, and we protected Bobby Lashley, and we protected Seth Rollins, who right now has to go babyface. So I enjoyed this much, Lee, and it's getting it out. Roman Reigns was then telling Jay Uso not to worry about Sami Zayn because he'd done his eye trick. So I was worrying because so I thought my heart was going to break. So this was basically like Ralph Wiggum. I mean, we all know what's going to happen. So you just want to shout, run, Sammy, run. This also meant it was time for our main event, which was the men's war games. It must have gone around about 40 minutes. But what a so-cake this was. Not a so-cake spectacle. What are you doing, you stupid autocorrect? Although a so-cake does sound delicious. No, it doesn't. Anyway, it was the Budline taking on the brawling brutes, Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens. And holy hell... Did we have fun here? I mean, we told so many stories. There was a bunch of crazy spots. And honestly, from second one to second 792 or whatever it would be, I just thought it was so engaging. You gotta give it another round of applause. We started with Jay Uso versus Butch, with Butch just trying to rip every bone out of Jay's body, which is not a normal thing to do. And as soon as Uso found his feet and started to get going, of course, Rich Holland got in there, and he was able to have the advantage, because in this War Games, the good guys were able to secure it. This meant poor Jay got absolutely wrecked, but that does kind of tie into everything, because he will give everything to the bloodline, including his body. Now, it did look like he was gonna be okay, because Jimmy Uso was the next guy in. But this is when Roman became the head of the Mafia. He was like, no, Jimmy, you're not going, but you, Sami Zayn, are. You go work with Jay Uso or else. And this was so damn smart, I could have cried. And it was such a small touch, but it added so much in there. And while they were all right for a little while, eventually they started to argue, which is when Butch was like, okay. And he did this salt thing off the side of the cage. Holland was about to do the same thing too, Jay. but that's when Sami Zayn saved him. So finally they were on the same page, but it sucked to be them. Because Drew McIntyre was in, he threw everyone around. This was going to end with another superplex onto Jey Uso, but do you know why this didn't happen? Because Sami Zayn saved him once again, so you could just see what direction we were going in here. But look at me, I'm an absolute mess, I was so excited. Sadly, Uso did still get superplexed because Ridge Holland got involved and he took out Sami, but that's when Roman decided, all right, Jimmy, you're allowed to get in there now. He brought some tables to the ring. I just don't get it. Why is nobody content with the massive steel cage? That's not enough for you. This is like going to a birthday and bringing your own birthday cake. There's already a cake. Amazingly, this somehow ruined the relationship between Sammy and Jay as they started to argue about who should set up the table. And Jimmy was trying to calm this down, which is when we cut to Roman Reigns, who was basically face palming and doing this. This is the greatest moment that has ever happened in the history of professional wrestling. And while it was kind of comedic, it also just came with a bunch of emotion. This is why the bloodline is one of the best things in wrestling. Thankfully they didn't find a way to calm down, but this is when Kevin Owens was in there. And you already know the deal, he's not coming alone even if he didn't have a plus one. He brought some chairs, he started swinging this like a baseball bat. What that led to though was eventually Kevin looking at Sami Zayn, and Sami Zayn eventually looking at Kevin, I mean you knew we were going to get that spot. But I think Ridge Holland spied this from afar and was like, why are they looking at each other? This is meant to be a fight. We went and hit Sammy's Zayn. KO then put Jimmy through a table and Sam was also getting beaten up because of course the bloodline were a man down. But this is when we remembered, oh yeah, we should continue to make Soda Sokoa look like an absolute badass because he was the next guy in. And he just repped everybody. I mean, he even gave a spinning solo to Drew McIntyre to throw a table later on. So once again, I'm getting the hands out like a seal. But this has been one of the best call-ups ever. I mean, he also no-sold a bunch of Kevin Owens' offense, which means somebody in the back had told him, you have to be a damn magic man out there. And we cut to Roman Reigns, who had this massive smile on his face. Well, that didn't last. Because then it was time for Sheamus. He ran wild, which once again meant Roman was now looking at the floor. Like, why did I decide to do this? He was like some kind of teacher. But of course, he was the last guy into this thing. And once again, his final boss energy just gets bigger and bigger and increases, increases. At one point, you're going to defeat him and have a second form. It meant we got the big old spot where one team is looking at the other team. And the other team is looking at the other team before they do attack. And then all the good guys grabbed the bad guys. And they did the 10 beats of the ran on like every other person. So you had 1-on-1, 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 1-on-1. The fans absolutely loved this. So did I. It was great. But they got even better though, because Seamus, as he was in control, went to bro-kick Roman Reigns. But who got in the way and took it for him? It was Sola Sokoa. He's like the most loyal dude on the planet. Roman was also able to hit a spear, but Butch was able to break that up at two. And it all went off again. Because the story continued as Jay went to give a super kick to Butch, but he got out of the way, meaning that Uso hit Sami Zayn. And once again, I was chuckling, because Jay Uso was kind of bothered, but not really, because nobody has ever hated anybody who in professional wrestling that Jay Uso hates Sami Zayn. The Usos did get the 1D on Butch, but Ridge Holland was breaking up covers again, which was basically his role here. And I think Romans had decided that, oh man, this dude is such a nuisance. So he speared him through a table. Sokoa was then back, and this is when Heathu drew through his table when Kevin Owens popped up, and he hit the stunner on Solar Sokoa. What? brain stopped that at two, which meant finally we got down to Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns, and surely we're going to be able to do that at the Raw Rumble. And even though they hit moves on each other, it was KO that hit the pop-up powerbomb, and it was KO that hit the Stone Cold Stunner. So he had our super-duper world champion beat, and the referee went one. And the referee went to And just as the referee was about to hit three, who stopped his hand hitting the mat? That's right, it was Repo Matt. No, it wasn't. It was Sammy Zayn. So, flogged me sideways. This was just excellent storytelling. And once again, they looked at each other because the emotion was too much. Jimmy Uso then came up with a super kick. Kevin Owens blocked that. But when he was, Zayn dropped to his feet and went kablamo, And he hit Kevin Owens. Right in the dick. He then turned to Roman Reigns, who's like, do it, Sammy, do it. So he ran into the corner, and he smashed KO with the halluva kick. Kevin fell down. Sammy then told Jay Uso, hit the splash, hit the splash. So Jey Uso did, and he pinned Kevin Owens for the one, two, three. Reigns hugged Sammy after this, too, as did Jay Uso. And every single person in that arena was just pouring their hearts out at this. And honestly... I don't think you could have done this any better. Because now I'm like, well, are they going to turn on Sami Zayn? Are they not going to turn on Sami Zayn? Because without Sami Zayn, they wouldn't have won this match. I mean, of course, they're going to. But this is why it's so damn good. To the point, it doesn't just get an up. It gets a golden up. I could sit here until the day I die. And I don't think I would have come up with a better idea than this. So I just had a great time with this year's Survivor Series. I mean, it must be the best version of this event in years. Everything was so damn good. Apart from Ronda versus Shotzi, but they just had an off night. Who the hell cares? We can move on. Just getting It Up. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, A reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.
3: Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage.